Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 37th, 7th, I don't know. I lost count. Thirty-seventh. <laughs> when do I? When do I ever keep count? I never keep count. Is the it thirty-seventh episode of PEM Podcast, the Psychic Guy Mysteries Podcast, starring yours truly, Victoria Laurie, and my fabulous sister Sandy, uh, coming to you from each of our respective homes. We have been doing lots of work this weekend. Um, I moved across the hall by myself. Everything, and Sandy has been cleaning out and decluttering and marveling at her new bathroom, which is gorgeous. Thank you. It's gorgeous. The tile is spectacular. Like spectacular. It looks so much better than that magazine photo you sent me. It just yeah. is, Sandy, it's just, it's a dream. It's so beautiful. Well, what's hilarious is now the whole house looks like it needs to be redone because of the bathroom, which is always the way, well, right? Really just like, why not? Yeah, I will. Ready? Yeah. Okay, it's done. Yes, exactly. Now your house is adorable. I love your house. It, it's got that. It feels like home. Oh, well, every that's time in there, lovely. it feels like home. Thank you. So I found a photo from 10 years ago when I was moving and decluttering. Oh, so you didn't have it out on display like I do. No, I actually, <laughs> you know, I did, but I think like in the, in the last move, it got... Yeah. It was shoved into a drawer. No, 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 no. So do you see that silver plate over yes. there? Yeah. There's a silver plate. That's an award um, that Wen got, mm-hmm. I think from Maryland. It's beautiful. It's silver. It's gorgeous. Um, and um, I had photos in there because it's the padded box. And so I think the last move, I just, I stored it thinking it was just the box and this photo was in there. So, um, so I meant to display it, but I forgot about it. So okay. anyway, so this is Sandy and I in Texas 10 years ago, 2012-ish. Um, look, at how, look at how suntan we are. <laughs> look at how skinny I was. Not anymore. <laughs> We're both like babies. We're both babies. My God. Yep. That was like right after a book signing, I think, yes. uh, in Austin, right? Yes. Yeah. I did that. I did that book signing at... Um, there's like a bookstore there and I forget what the name of it um, is. Is that where Murder by, no, that's not Murder by the Book. Yeah, that's in Houston. Yeah. That's, that's a favorite, favorite of mine is Murder by the Book in Houston. Um, but there was, there's like a famous bookstore in, um, in Austin. And <laughs> the guy who, who ran the mystery section, God, was, I'm sorry, but he was a jerk to me. He was such a jerk to me. Hmm. Um, yeah, like not kind at all. Um, so hope he's not, hope he's not still there. I mean, I hate to disparage him on air, but Jesus, that guy was a jerk to me. So anyway, um, so book book promotion, right? A grave prediction. So I have an anecdote actually that segues beautifully into a grave prediction. Excellent. So I think I'll start with the anecdote. Okay. Grave prediction. The something, something. (laughs) number in the abby cooper psychic i don't know it's 10 or 11 i don't know 12 something no this is like 14 this is the 14th i think 15 16 yeah this is the 14th book in the series um so my anecdote is that one of my favorite clients i absolutely love her um is a judge and she's um full native so she's full native from um the cheyenne she cheyenne yeah cheyenne i think I'm pretty sure. 
You're so good with details. You think I would know. (laughs) No, Comanche. She's Comanche. Thank you. She's Comanche. I knew it started with a C. So she's full Comanche. And so I was doing a reading with her. And this was the first time that I think I had done any mediumship with her. And um, this chief came in and turns out she's a direct descendant of a very famous Comanche chief named Sitting Bull or Sitting Bears, Sitting Bears. So um, he's, he's like, he's super powerful on the other side, right? And so he's identifying himself and we couldn't figure out if it was him because I think he's her great, great, great grandfather um, or if it was her grandfather. Um, so there was a little bit back and forth. And then finally he said, I had three wives. So I asked her, did, did sitting bears have three wives? She's like, I can't recall. So she looked it up later and she sent me a text. She's like, he had three wives. So this guy was um, um, not at, uh, he engaged with um, part of the division of uh, Custer's division. I don't think that he was at Custer's last stand, but he was at a separate battle um, with someone I think who was under Custer. I don't know, I was quickly reading the Wikipedia page, um, but he's an absolutely fascinating energy. Came through really, really strong. It was the, probably the second or third in the, in the top three of the most powerful kind of, you know, hitting me. And um, he was talking about his other side, the other side. And it, what, the most interesting thing that stood out to me was that um, only natives are allowed that section of the other side. No one non-native can go onto their lands. And I'm like, that, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that that was, but it makes total sense, right? Because we come in, you know, we rob them of their lands, we kill them, we murder them, we kill the buffalo, we do all these horrible things. And um, so their heaven is only for natives, which is I think why, the spiritual connection for most natives is so strong. I mean, if you have your own corner of heaven and no one else is allowed in except your people, yeah, you're going to be connected to it. Very so cool. um, it was it was really fascinating. He was really, really fascinating. Um, so it was kind of fun to sort of feel his personality and then go on, on Wikipedia and kind of be like, oh, wow, that mm. was really an, a, an amazing guy. He was absolutely a peacekeeper, um, but... Um, he would uh, hit back. So his parents were murdered by the Lakota tribe and he often readily raids against the Lakota. I guess the Comanche and the Lakota didn't get along um, at that time. But anyway, this segues into a great prediction. This is so random too. Like, it's just so, I'm like, what book do I, oh, this, oh my God, it fits right with the anecdote. So Abby and Candace are called to LA to help try and solve a series of um, bank robberies. And um, there is, uh, Abby intuitively goes to a plot of land. Um, I think there's a murder involved too. She, go, she intuitively goes to a place where um, they are building um, new homes and they discover human remains. And the human remains actually are um, Native Americans. So it's a Native American graveyard. Um, which gave me the title, Great Prediction. Um, So I thought that was a a good little segue into that. So sold everywhere books are sold. Um, So check it out, people. Check it out. Um, That was quick, down and dirty. (laughs) Well, after the last two podcasts that like just Sandy shut up, stop talking. Oh my God, no one says that. No (laughs) one says that. 
the first thing people say is, Sandy, you did such a good job writing that up, which I tell you every single time um, because it's so impressive. So you do a wonderful job on these. My job's easy. Yes. Thank you. Um, and thank you for all the kind compliments from those that are leaving us kind compliments. It's, yeah. it's very encouraging. I think we pretty really much everybody it. is, has been just lovely. I mean, there are a few, but whatever. <laughs> they have nothing better to do, but be snippy. Um, but that's, you know, they're just, they're nothing. It's all the lovely people that continue week after week after week. Um, who really, you guys lift us up. So thank you. I appreciate Very that. much so. Very much so. Thank you. Okay. So Sans is going to take it away. This is actually, this was something I've wanted to do. Um, this, this case I really wanted to do. And then I read it and was like, shit, it's obvious. <laughs> so Sandy's typey, typey, typey. Type right and Victoria's the, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the revelation. And I'm like, fuck, it's super obvious. Oh, well, whatever. It's still really fascinating. Still really, like, I did not know all of this about her. I didn't mm-hmm. know all of that about yeah. her. So that was really fascinating um, to read. So anyway, without further ado, Sandy, please take it away. Okay, so today's Men Behaving Badly case is uh, about the unsolved murder of Bonnie Lee Bakley. Uh, in March of 2005, Emmy Award-winning actor Robert Blake was tried and acquitted of the 2001 murder of his wife of six months, Bonnie Lee Bakley. While he likely wasn't the trigger man, Robert Blake remains to this day a suspect in the unsolved murder of his daughter's mother. Michael James Gubitosi was born on September 18, 1933 in Nutley, New Jersey, to parents Giacomo and Elizabeth. At the young age of three, Michael's enterprising parents began a song and dance act in 1936 called The Three Little Hillbillies, three little hillbillies featuring their three children. In 1938, the family moved to Los Angeles so the kids could work as movie extras in the burgeoning film industry. By 1939, Michael adopted the stage name Mickey Gubitosi and launched his acting career as Toto in the MGM movie Bridal Suite starring Annabella and Robert Young. The precocious young boy soon began appearing in MGM's famous Argane, which is also known as the Little Rascals. And by 1944, after changing his stage name once again to Bobby Blake in 1942, he had acted in 40 shorts as one of the lead characters, Mickey Blake. With a reputation for being obnoxious and whiny, Michael put his film career on hold in favor of entering public school at the age of 10. Unfortunately, he experienced a life of bullying and abuse, both at home by the hands of his parents and at school by fellow students. So at the young age of 14, Michael dropped out of school and ran away from home, never to return to the Gubitosi household ever again. Between 1944 and 1947, Bobby appeared in 23 studio studio movies, often playing either a Native American or a Hispanic child character. And by 1950, at age 17, Blake was drafted into the U.S. Army, and after serving for three years at age 21, he found himself adrift without any job prospects. As a result, Bobby fell into a deep depression and resorted to numbing his pain with cocaine and heroin, which quickly developed into a dangerous habit. During his two-year addiction, he also sold drugs to earn money that he desperately needed. Intent on turning his life around, Bobby enrolled in a professional acting school so he could secure dramatic TV and movie roles. And in 1956, Bobby assumed the professional name of Robert Blake, the stage name that he's most well-known for. Between 1959 and 1966, Robert Blake secured numerous parts and appearances on TV and in studio films, and his breakout role came in 1967 when he starred as as criminal Perry Smith in the Oscar-nominated film In Cold Blood, based on Truman Capote's famous novel. 
However, the character that Robert is most famous for is his Emmy award-winning portrayal of Tony Beretta in the popular TV cop show, Beretta, which aired from 1975 until 1978. The series followed the escapades of a streetwise, plainclothes police detective who donned various disguises to catch criminals. The show's trademarks included Beretta's pet cockatoo, Fred, and his signature phrases, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. That's the name of that tune, and you can take that to the bank. And while Robert would never replicated the success he found on Beretta, he continued to act in television and movies throughout the 1980s and the 1990s. 1982 saw the end of Robert's 22-year marriage to actress Sandra Kerr. During their union, Sandra gave birth to son Noah in 1965 and daughter Delina in 1966. And while there have been several tabloid news stories of Robert abusing Sandra during the time, their time together, Sandra has denied that she ever spoke to reporters about her marriage. However, during a 2005 court deposition, Sandra is on the record for claiming that following her separation from Robert in the 1970s, he put a murder contract out on her and her new boyfriend, Steve Railsback. Sandra went on to describe Robert's alleged plans, which she learned about from his former Beretta director, Bernard Kowalski, and his wife, Helen. Apparently, Robert planned to blame the killings on his soon-to-be ex-wife and her lover on the followers of Charles Manson as retribution for Sandra and Steve being a part of the, 1960, uh, the 1976 TV movie cast Helter Skelter. To add authenticity, Robert planned to have the murder occur in the same L.A. mansion where Manson, Manson's followers slaughtered five innocent people, including actress Sandra, Sharon Tate in August of 1969. It is suspected that Robert Blake did in fact follow through with a contract killing, but this time it was for his second wife, Bonnie Lee Bakley. Born Bonnie Lee Bakley on June 5, 1956 in Morristown, New Jersey to father Edward J. Bakley and mother Marjorie Lois, Bonnie grew up with sister Marjorie Lisa, brother Joe, and half-brother Peter Carlin from his mother's second marriage, but she was raised by her grandmother while her mother operated an antiques business in Wharton, New Jersey. At age 16, Bonnie dropped out of high school in favor of pursuing a modeling and acting career in New York City at the Barbizon School of Modeling. She met and married, for a price, her first of 10 husbands, Evangelos Paul Palakis, so, she could secure, so he could secure a green card. But Bonnie ended the marriage shortly after the wedding, ensuring that uh, her husband's deportation. Her second marriage at age 21 was to her first cousin, Paul Gowan, which lasted five years and produced two children, Glenn and Holly. Now twice divorced, Bonnie found a way to support herself by running a salacious mail order business where she sent nude pictures of women, including some of herself, to paid subscribers. She also ran Lonely Hearts ads in magazines seeking male companionship, which resulted in requests for support for her living and travel expenses. Her enterprising business eventually afforded her enough money to buy several homes in Memphis, Tennessee, and one just outside of Los Angeles. But it also cost her as she garnered arrest records in both Tennessee and Arkansas for fraud and drug possession. With newly established roots in California, Bonnie attempted to pursue a career in Hollywood as a singer-actor under the stage name Lee Bonnie, but she was unsuccessful in her endeavors. And despite not being able to secure fame as an actress, Bonnie remained fixated on marrying someone famous. In 1990, she pursued a relationship with singer Jerry Lee Lewis, and shortly after meeting him and befriending his sister Linda Gale, Lewis, Bonnie claimed that a daughter she gave birth to in 1993 was Lewis's child. After DNA tests resoundingly disproved her claim, Bonnie left her newborn daughter, Jerry Lee, in the care of her ex-husband, Paul, to raise. 
Bonnie also pursued relationships with celebrities Dean Martin, Frankie Valli, and Gary Busey, but set her sights on Christian Brando, the eldest son of Academy Award-winning actor Marlon Brando. The two began their romantic relationship in 1996, and by 1999, Bonnie found herself pregnant with her fourth child. Daughter Christian Shannon Brando was born on June 4, 2000. While Bonnie was involved with Christian Brando, she was also dating Robert Blake, whom she met at a jazz club in 1999. Uncertain of her daughter's paternity, Robert insisted on a DNA test, and the results of which found that Robert, not Christian, was the father. With paternity established, the baby's name was legally changed to Rose Leonore Sophia Blake. Robert agreed to marry Bonnie, but the union was conditional. Bonnie would have to sign a temporary custody agreement that required supervised visits with her daughter, and only with written permission could Bonnie invite friends and family to Robert's estate. The agreement also stipulated that if either spouse ended the marriage, the other spouse would retain custody of Rose. Against legal advice, Bonnie signed the agreement, and the couple married on November 19, 2000. It was Robert's second marriage, and by this point, Bonnie's 10th. Once married, Robert's distrust of Bonnie remained. Bonnie and Rose lived in a small guest house beside Robert's home in Studio City, and he hired a PI to look into her and monitor her activities. As a result, Robert soon discovered that despite her marital status, Bonnie had continued to operate her Lonely Hearts scam. On May 4, 2001, six months after their wedding, Robert took Bonnie out to dinner at his favorite restaurant, Vietello's Italian Restaurant in Studio City. Over dinner, the couple were seen chatting and laughing. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary about their date. Following their meal, Bonnie and Robert exited Vietello's and walked to their nearby car, which was located on a side street around the corner from the restaurant, parked behind a dumpster next to a construction site. Robert escorted Bonnie to the passenger side, but before walking around to the driver's side, he remembered that he'd forgotten his handgun, something he carried for protection in the restaurant. So he left Bonnie in the car to wait while he returned to Vietello's to collect his weapon. During his brief absence, Bonnie was tragically shot in the head by an unknown assailant. Horrified at finding his wife murdered, Robert ran frantically to a nearby residence to ask the homeowners to call 911. Despite appearances as a grieving husband, suspicion soon fell on Robert Blake as the man behind the murder. Their short-lived marriage coupled with the fact that Robert had been carrying a handgun on the night of his wife's assassination and that he'd been near the murder scene made him the suspect number one. However, ballistics testing revealed that Robert's handgun was not the murder weapon. Police then theorized that Robert may have contracted with someone else to carry out the murder, which was confirmed by Ronald Duffy Hamilton, a retired stuntman, who on the record claimed that the actor had attempted to hire him as a hitman for the job. Apparently, Duffy had agreed to testify against his friend Robert only after being told that he would be subject to a grand jury subpoena and a misdemeanor charge. Another stuntman, Gary McLarry, a friend of Duffy's, gave a similar account, saying that Robert had also approached him to execute his wife. On April 18, 2002, Robert Blake was arrested for the first-degree murder of 44-year-old Bonnie Lee Bakley and was subsequently charged with one count of murder with special circumstances, which carried a death penalty sentence. He was also charged with two counts of solicitation of murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder. After entering a plea of not guilty, Robert was remanded into custody pending trial and placed into solitary confinement for his own safety. Robert's longtime bodyguard, Earl Caldwell, was also arrested and charged with conspiracy in connection with the murder. After 11 months in prison, on March 13, 2003, Robert was granted bail, which was set at $1.5 million, and then placed under house arrest while awaiting trial. 
Robert also spent $1 million for Earl Caldwell's release until his trial. During the pretrial hearing on October 31st, the presiding judge dismissed the conspiracy charges against both Robert and Earl Caldwell because the prosecution could not produce any forensic evidence tying Robert to the scene or the murder weapon. The DA's office subsequently announced if Robert Blake was found guilty, they would not pursue a sentence of life without parole. I'm sorry, they would pursue a sentence of life without parole and not the death penalty. Robert's murder trial began on December 20th, 2004, with the prosecution contending that Robert intentionally killed Bonnie Lee Bakley to free himself of a loveless marriage. The defense team focused on Robert's innocence, arguing that he was the victim of circumstantial and fabricated evidence. At the conclusion of the three-month trial, on March 16, 2005, Robert Blake was found not guilty of one of the two counts of solicitation of murder. The other count for solicitation to commit murder was dropped after, after it was revealed that the jury was deadlocked 11 to 1 in favor of acquittal. One week after Robert Blake was criminally charged for the murder of Bonnie Lee Bakley, her three adult children filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the actor and his bodyguard in Los Angeles County Superior Court. The suit, which sought unspecified general and punitive damages, was halted during the criminal proceedings pending its outcome. At the conclusion of Robert's criminal trial, the civil suit moved forward, and on November 18, 2005, a jury found him liable for the wrongful death of his wife and ordered him to pay Bonnie's heirs $30 million. After filing for bankruptcy on February 3, 2006, Robert's attorney appealed the civil decision. The court upheld the verdict but reduced the penalty to $15 million. In 2016, Scott Ross, an investigator working for the actor's defense team, told an NBC News reporter that while he did not believe Robert fired the gun that killed Bonnie, he did believe that Robert Blake was involved in her murder. Since the conclusion of his legal battles, Robert has kept a very low profile. In 2019, Robert and his daughter Rose reunited for the first time in 15 years. Following Bonnie's death, Rose lived with and was raised by Robert's eldest daughter, Delina. While Rose has told the press that she would like to know the truth behind her mother's murder, she isn't ready to confront her father about the details that took place on the fateful night of May in May of 2001. Quentin Tarantino's novel Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and a subsequent film of the same name is dedicated to Robert Blake. Notably, Robert's experience surrounding Bonnie's death mirrors Brad Pitt's character Cliff Booth, who is also accused of murdering his wife. Officially, Bonnie Lee Bakley's murder remains unsolved. My sources for this story include Wikipedia, Robert Blake, Wikipedia, Bonnie Lee Bakley, historicalpost.com, 17 years after being accused of his wife's murder, actor Robert Blake opened up about the crime by Anne Price, Annie Price, 8421, WENN, Blake plotted to kill his first wife and her bodyguard, 8505, the LA Times, Bakley heirs file suit against Blake by Jean Guccione and Andrew Blankenstein 43002, and then CBS News, Blake's X Cries Murder 2, 32405. So I know you said this was cut and dry, but why don't you take us through what you think happened? So let me ask you though. Um the um historical post.com 17 years after being accused of his wife's murder, actor Robert Blake opened up about the crime. What what did he did he what did so he there, say? there were a couple of different interviews that he gave. Um to I think 2020 and I'm not sure if he gave another one to NBC news, but he kind of, Oh, I know who it was. It was um, the British guy. Uh, can't think of his name. Pierce Morgan. Pierce, right? Pierce, Pierce Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Okay. And um, the, the interviews were 
a man unraveling in front of the camera, basically. And um, he didn't necessarily claim that he was guilty, but he didn't look good as a result of either of the two interviews. So he kind of looked cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs as a result of his interviews, which didn't did him no favors. Cockatoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. (laughs) I always Um, loved Fred. I loved Beretta. Yeah. You know, I love Beretta. I have a feeling that the jury was because he's spanky, right? And he's Beretta, the good guy, right? The good cop, the kind of um, tongue in cheek, making fun of himself, but also solving crime kind of guy. It's hard when you buy into that persona to think that he's like capable of something like this. Um, there is zero doubt in my mind, and I would imagine there's kind of zero doubt in everybody else's mind, well, I hope so, um, that he uh, committed this crime. So the whole setup, you know, taking, he finds out his wife is still running these, you know, kind of salacious businesses. Um, he's already shown himself to be someone who doesn't to- tolerate being cuckolded, you know, um, and, uh, I don't think it was jealousy. I just think it was like him thinking, how dare you, you know, how dare you, you're married to me. This is no. So, um, and he probably thought that she was going to be a terrible influence on her daughter and was not a great mother and just wanted her removed, um, mm-hmm. because she was bringing him nothing but like a bad reputation. So, um, I think the bodyguard pulled the trigger, um, because they had a close, obviously close personal relationship. And why pay a million dollars? Why? Why pay a million dollars to get your bodyguard out of jail? I mean, is he made of money? Also, like how much money was he worth that he was sued for $30 million and then, you know, reduced to 15 million? Like, like he only played Brett for three years. Where did all this yeah. money come from? <clears throat> so, you know, I don't know. Maybe his career was more lucrative than, um, than I thought it was. Um, yeah, I think that the whole thing was set up. I think that the leaving the weapon behind at the restaurant was a red herring. So yes, I had a gun, but people at the restaurant know I had the gun and it was there. So it couldn't have been the murder weapon. There's no way it could have been the murder weapon. Right. So he's carrying this gun to set up the premise that he needs protecting. He needs to be protected. Mm. Right? And that obviously someone jumped out and killed his wife instead of him had probably been fought. I mean, the whole story is like bigger than life a bit, right? Um, why did Robert Blake need protecting? Like, <laughs> he, was, he was a, a Hollywood star, I okay, guess. Okay, well. You know, I don't know. <laughs> um he had a bodyguard (laughs) exactly like why you know this is the uh what the early 2000s right yes yes the man's um in his late 60s right he was born in 89 now because he was born in 33 yeah yeah so he'd be 89 now so 20 69 70 somewhere there yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, who wants who wants a piece of him right like I, I can't see anybody like wanting a piece of Robert Blake. I just, I just like the need for the, the whole thing is just so contrived hyperbole, you know, it's just so God, they're so, ah. um, so I don't buy it for a second. I don't buy any of it for a second. I think that he thought it through. He got the, um, he knew how to play her 
she knew how to play him and, and 10 marriages. And this yeah. woman is going after Jerry Lee Lewis and Christian Brando and <laughs> Robert Blake, like guys, <laughs> hello. Yeah. Like, like what did, what did she have a, a magic vagina? Like what is, what was the deal? Right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. Um, I mean, she obviously knew how to manipulate men. Yeah. She yeah. made a living at manipulating men. So yeah. And she uh, obviously did it well, but like, you would yeah. think that at least one of those guys would be smart enough to kind of catch on, you know? Um, yeah. I just, I don't really understand her whole thing at all. And um, he's guilty as, I think he will actually, I think he will kind of on his deathbed confess. I have a feeling, I have a feeling that, and he's close now. So um, if there's a chance that he's like in hospice and, you know, on his deathbed and his daughter comes to see him, I have a feeling he'll tell her, he'll tell her it was me, you know, because I, he strikes me as kind of the, the type of guy that would want to hedge his bet to get into heaven by confessing and apologizing <laughs> right right see this is the big deep flaw that i have with a lot of a lot of religions it's like yes i committed murder but i'm really really sorry oh good the doors of heaven are open yay <laughs> you know i know right you know first of all everybody crosses everybody yeah. crosses everybody um so it just whole... might be warmer for some people than others. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody crosses it. I guess, you know, there are only sections though that like you can go to or not go to. I don't know if that's true for everyone, but it was, that's the only time I've encountered a um, native, a powerful native chief basically saying this section is only for uh, our ancestors. No one else is allowed in. Which I just, I think that's, really the other side there's like separation really i mean i understand it totally 100 percent understand it but i just didn't think it was set up that, that like that so um fascinating the more i do yeah. this the more i learn it's kind of yeah. cool yeah um so yeah so robert blake did it i wonder what ever happened to fred i don't know <laughs> i didn't look into they that live for they can cockatoos in particular live for 80 90 100 100 plus years okay. so um i have an african gray she's they usually live about 60 years so um she'll go to one of your sons <laughs> yeah <laughs> someday have a talk with them and you've just inherited a really cute adorable bird <laughs> uh okay well i look forward to that conversation yeah exactly um you heard it here first yeah. So, uh, yeah, so a pretty straightforward case. Uh, again, yeah. I didn't know a lot about, um, either of the two people involved. So that was interesting. Did you and see I also, the movie since, did you see the movie? No, I started to watch once upon a time in Hollywood and like 10, 15 minutes in, I was like boring. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Brad Pitt sure was boring. I didn't get that far. <laughs> so that's why you fast forward. Yeah. There is a scene because I did see a clip. I haven't seen the movie either, but I did see a clip where he's like up on a roof and he, you know, off goes the shirt. <sighs> okay. Rewind, play again. Rewind, play Freeze. again. Freeze. <laughs> yes, Freeze frame. Oh yeah. What a beautiful human being. Um yeah, so that's that that was pretty easy, cut and dry. 
No well, we needed it. We needed an easy cut and dry case after. Yeah, I know. There's, yeah. There've been a couple that have been, um, you know, the last, the last two we did the family murders. Yeah. Wait till, wait till we get to next week. Oh, God. It's a Wiley, next Wiley week? E. Coyote case. A Wiley Coyote case. Why it's Wiley. There's a lot of layers to it. So. Oh, you don't want to tell me what it's about ahead of time. No. Okay. My sister it, is so good at keeping secrets. So like, I'm terrible. I've already purchased <laughs> her birthday present and I'm, it's everything I can do not to blurt out what I got her. Yeah. She's, um, you're also obnoxious. Cause when I do try and surprise you, you start tuning in to figure out what it I is. Do, you yeah. say don't tune in. And immediately I think, just, oh, know. is it a treadmill? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that one time, because you were making a big deal out of it. And I was, like, I was oh, not oh, a treadmill. <laughs> oh, for the love of God. It was, a, it was the coolest thing. It was a walking desk. It was a walking desk. Um, the problem was <laughs> that I was also training for a marathon. I think I was training for a marathon or half marathon, something like that. So I was running like 25, 30 miles a week and then walking while I'm typing. Whew, man, I was tired. Mm-mm-mm. Yep. Worn out. So, um, but that was, that was a wonderful gift, a wonderful, wonderful gift. And I think that's like one of the only ones I've ever guessed. <laughs> I usually don't tune in. I just let you I just let you do you. You spend you really spend a lot of effort always at Christmas and birthdays trying to get me something that you know will like a love. Yeah, I'm done now. So okay, that's fine. <laughs> You've you know hit it out of the park for the last like 20 years. So go okay. ahead. Yeah. So so your uh, birthday present might come early and I might be like, hey, open it. Do it. Okay. So it. never mind. And thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, and we'll look forward to, uh, a meaty case next week. Cool. Uh, in our men behaving badly series. And, uh, how many you. in the men behaving badly series? How many there will be two more after. So there's okay. three left. Cool. Awesome. I'm ready for it. Okay. Bring it. All right. All right. Well, thank All you right. for your insights today. Right. And Bye Sandy circuit <laughs> 2002 Victoria circuit 2002. That was not 20 years ago. I don't flown. That was no, not no, no, 10, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. You said, you said 2002. That's, that was oh, 20 years. I was ago. caught up in this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. 20, 2012 ish. Um, it's my favorite photo. Actually. You just look happy. Unlike most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, like how you get like a camera, you like pose, you know, like, <laughs> not you in particular but everybody when a camera comes out except for your husband never met oh, a camera yeah. that he's he like i've never met a camera with. i didn't yeah yeah, yeah. the most I didn't photographic love. man in the world <laughs> absolutely oh do you like this stunning side of me or this stunning side of me yes swish the hair swish the hair <laughs> <laughs> it's too big we love him all right sweetheart i love you so much and love you um, I will talk to you soon and I'll see you next week. Sounds great. Okay. Thanks everyone. Bye everybody. Bye.